0: This is a flash of pure inspiration! This man is absolutely bad-line to pure footballing magic! You're goddamn right. He emasculates them! Yes!
1: Individually! Yeah! Collectively! Feel that, money! Huh? It is on fire! a wet dream of orgasmic proportions incredible talent incredible variety like never seen on any other show before you people are amazing
0: we're also down to just two people who understand how to keep time in a soccer game
1: for fuck's sake stop saying soccer no that's
0: that's like football without pads right let's
1: have some fun it's football day Spring is in the air here in New England. Oh god, today was so beautiful. 70 degrees out today. Um, and with spring in New England comes New England Revolution season. MLS started up last weekend. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, we have a special guest calling in to talk some revs with us. Ben Kitchen. Yep. Ben. Um, He's from EEI, correct, Carl? Yeah, WEEI producer as well as the host of. of the soccer cast? Yeah, WEEI soccer cast. Perfect, perfect. So, yeah, he's going to call in some, talk some revs with us. We're going to bounce a couple questions off of him, a couple ideas, see what he sees in line for this season for them. Um, today's date is, I don't know, because my computer says it's February 22nd. March right? 9th, yeah. March 9th, perfect. Today is March 9th, um, which means that this will be up tomorrow, March 10th. Um, the guy over here on the turntables, that's the producer, Carl Badger. Hello. Um, the guy over here who just got up, was there a train in the background? Yeah, we had some uh, uh, There was a train in the background. Some traffic. Tell so you had to uh, <laughs> close the door, but he is your Liverpool aficionado, and the color guy, if you will, um, Zach Pelican. How are and you? I am your Arsenal gooner, your host, the prettiest looking of the group, J.P. Shannard. Um We are in a little bit of a... <laughs> uh, just, sorry, my fingers. We legs. are in a little bit of a time crunch just at the beginning of the show because we want to. We're gonna. We want to spend some good time with Ben talking about MLS, uh, like I said. So we're gonna get right into it. Um, tomorrow, when you listen to this, don't be afraid to hit us up on Twitter at OTP Soccer Talk. I was on today for the whole um, Benfica S- Zenit pa- Saint Petersburg match, uh, live tweeting during that, and I got a good portion of the um, PSG. Chelsea match until I fell asleep at halftime. Other than that, I was live between. It sounds like a PSG Chelsea match (laughs) reaction um, right there. Yeah, no, good day. Um, Benfica and PSG moved on. Uh, But, yep, like I said, with any of our topics today and any topics that you want us to do for other topics of the week coming up in the future, like I said, OTP soccer talk. And, of course, if you are listening live to the show in an hour, which you don't know yet, we're kind of traveling time here. at OTW Sports Radio, we'll be shooting that tonight, live in studio at Dub Vista Studios. But that will be up tomorrow as well, yes, either sir. directly above this podcast or directly below it. How do you use above? It? Directly above today's recording of Off the Pitch, um, episode eighteen. I know last time we were on the air, we did a quick League Cup um, final review. Um, that was kind of a gift from us to you. That was not necessarily a show, show scheduled show. Like I said, impromptu. Um, but with that, that brings up today, episode eighteen, um, and any football fans who know very little about the game. So even if you guys are new to the show, you're gonna know who Paul Scholes is, the Manchester United midfielder for through the early '90s straight up to 2000. 13 i believe was the year he retired um and he's they've said he's the best midfielder england has ever had he's by far the most decorated he won 11 premier league championships 25 total trophies i'll get into the other trophies that he won in a little bit played his entire career with manu um and he every everything that I've read about him. I don't remember seeing too too much of him play because when I got into soccer I just hated Manchester United because they always won, so I tried to avoid their matches as much as I could. Um but the one thing that I took away from reading about him was how many players and managers currently say he's the best that they're that they've ever seen, the best that of his generation and not just the best at one particular thing, um the best at everything. Xavi from Barcelona says he emulated his game against him his entire career because when he first played him, he said, I've never seen anybody this good. Um, So the respect amongst his peers and his fellow players were through the roof. Uh, The one thing that I have read about, and probably part of the reason why I wasn't necessarily a big uh, Man U fan, um, but him in particular, he wasn't that nice of a tackler. Um, He has, I believe, the third most yellow cards in Premier League history with 99 He's got the most uh, Champions League yellow cards with 37 for a career. Um, and he would always say he remember, he picked up a lot of them late in his career because he built up the rep- reputation, but he's been on record saying that I never forgot a bad tackle that somebody gave to me, so I was never afraid to go back, remember that, and come back in the future and give them a bad tackle back and even up the score a little bit, um, which is kind of refreshing. He, he's, he knows he's good. He's not going to let anybody mess around with him. Um, you like I said, Manchester United aside. Um, but, yeah, like I said, a lot of respect from everybody. And one of the more, not necessarily more deserving, but after we got out of our starting 11, this was one of those ones that at 18, we didn't have to do much research at all. It was right there given to us. Anything on him, Pelly? Carl? Not not a big fan. Not a big
2: fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, he truly one of the great Premier League greats. One of those players who came up um, and I don't know if I would necessarily consider him part of the class of 92, the great historic class of 92 for Manchester United, but one of the great he, players to come through with that the, group. He yeah, came he was, the year after him. Right. He was right with that group for the most part. And, uh, yeah, truly an all time great for the premiership and especially by Manchester United standards, uh, really, it's a very, very short list of people you'd put in his class or above him, um, in terms of his style of play. Difficult difficult to speak on because, honestly, I didn't see him until the end of his career. And at that point in time, he had kind of turned into a um, his multifaceted style that you were talking about. Kind of slimmed itself down to they put him out there with a specific role in any given match. And that was more or less what they used him for. Um, whether it was more of an attacking-minded uh, role in any particular game or uh, providing a little bit of the metal in the midfield, if you would. Um, but ultimately, one of the Premiership greats and uh, a very deserving 18. Again, he was no Steven Gerrard.
1: Oh, my goodness gracious. I completely disagree. Um, he's To me, like I said, I didn't watch too much of him just because, yeah, we were at the end of his career, and I hate Man U. I have always hated Man U, and I just didn't like watching their games because they always won. But he was that cog in that middle of the field for two decades that yeah. ran that team. And like I said, players said you could put him in a central attacking position and he would dominate. He'd be the best central attacker in the world. You could put him back as a holding midfielder. He'd be the best holding midfielder in the world. You can put him out on either mid-wing and he'd be the best at that position. He was great with both feet, great with his head, amazing, phenomenal passer. But he had a whole bunch of power and pace to his shot as well with the curve. He really just did have it all. And like I said, it's doing this now and 18 times. Very, very rarely when I'm when we're looking up um, stats and figures on, about these players, some of whom that we've never seen, I haven't seen a lot of commentary from their peers and other people that played against them. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there was, I couldn't stop finding articles today, even on Wikipedia. When I went through that a little bit, um, there are quotes from players all over the world, not just in England, about how they right. played against them and some of the best. Have played against him and said, Wow, he's that much better than myself. So, really, truly deserving 18. Um, next week, we're going to have number 19. Steve Eisman. Steve Eisman. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good idea. Stevie he might he, he might have played uh, some sort of junior soccer somewhere in Canada. I doubt it. You doubt it? No oh. other country, don't <laughs> you? know how they feel about soccer yep. or football. But yeah, no, that's like you said. Paul Scholes, very deserving. Um, Kit number of the week at 18 Next week we're going to have 19 And I like I said, we had it easy this week Picking that 18, next week we're going to need a little bit of help So on Twitter at OTP Soccer Talk, Send us your favorite number 19 And why you think it deserves to be our um, Kit of the week With that, we're going to go right into MLS And before we get Ben on the phone Just you and me real quick, Pally, A couple talking points If we can for sure. a little bit um, Let me pull up my brand new MLS app that I got today Ooh, oh, yeah, we're going to try fancy. We're gonna try this out on air. Technology guy over here. Oh, yeah. And the standing is from last year, so this the is already team. working miserably. Already <laughs> working miserably. I know we're only one game into the year, so the table isn't too, too crazy. Um, we're going to, with the Premier League coming to an end and international soccer coming this summer, um, we're going to f- try to focus on Major League Soccer, not necessarily every week, but at least once every two three weeks we're going to touch on the table. Anything big that's going on in the year, and most definitely our revs. We're going to the revs game this Saturday, um, three o'clock game against DC United, which is good for us because DC United got walloped this weekend, three um, nothing. Um, New England they played the Houston Dynamo, very exciting game. Very exciting game, three three barn burner. Early goal in the first five minutes by Diego Fagundes. No, that's not his name. Um, yeah, Diego Fagundes. It is. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking. I know I got messed up because I believe he assisted on one of the other goals. as well. He did. He assisted on the Dago Kobayashi goal in extra time. Dago, Diego. Why can't why can't athletes just have names like Joe? You know, I, I I don't get it. You'd screw that up too. I know, I know. But um, yeah, no, Fagundes' goal in the first, I think it was in the fourth minute, third fourth minute. That was the best goal of the weekend until okay. um I was tuning into the Columbus Crew, Seattle Sounders. Uh, or excuse me, Portland Timbers championship rematch from last year, and Iguain drained a bicycle kick from the top of the box, and that was by far better than a goal. But he took it down on, off of his chest, one hop, kind of volley down, cutting away from the keeper down in the lower right ninety, looking at the net from um, distance too. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, no, that was out. That was a good ten yards outside of that box. I want to say, um, and they held possession. They. Controlled the pace of play for most of the game. The second half, they got a little loose on the back end. That's when they started giving up goals. But they went down 2-1, fought back, went down 3-2, fought back, and they didn't give up and got the equalizer in the 90th minute against a Houston team that isn't necessarily supposed to be all that great this year. And it's good to get a one point off of the um, opening match on the road anytime. Um, real quick, do you have any ideas on... Any guesses on who the MLS Golden Boot's gonna be this year, Pelly? Ooh, that's, uh, that's a tough, Cause it is, really I, tough one. And the reason why I'm asking you is because I think it's wide open this year. It's going to be difficult
2: because the guy that I would really like to hand it off to and say is my number one choice is probably going to be missing at some point this season, interestingly enough. And that's uh, Sebastian Javinko last year's MVP, the Atomic Ant. Yep. Uh, I have a strong feeling and a strong indication that he will be getting on to the uh, Italian team for the Euro, uh, which... In that case, he's probably going to be missing for a month or so this season. If he misses that time, I don't think he's going to have the ability to do it. Uh, outside of that, though, it's, pr- it's pretty wide open. Like you said, Obafemi Martin's left from Seattle. That's a guy who's been scoring goals, doing real well there. Uh,
1: Kai Kamara, I believe is yeah, the pronunciation. He, was, he got it last year with uh, last year. Columbus Crew. Um um, and then sure, there's Wis- <laughs> yeah. No, then there's Wisniewski out there in uh, San Jose. He's won it three out of the f- four past years. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah no, no. Um, again, got, uh, so is, Wisniewski, Winaldum. So it's, uh, no. it's, it's a Wondolowski. Wondolowski, yeah. that's right. Yeah, the one who couldn't
2: finish uh, against uh, Belgium in the yes. World Cup. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Great Chris Wondolowski. <laughs> uh, but man, um, I hate that guy.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Do you have any surprising teams this year, Pelly?
2: I do. I think uh, for for me, I think, and this is going to be an odd surprise to throw out there, but Portland is going to be a tough out. I think they have a lot of players returning from last year. I really like their core uh, from what they did a year ago. I think they're going to be a, a really tough team again this year. And they were more or less a surprise to be able to do what they did in the playoffs last year because of their relative inexperience. And then on top of that, I think we see uh, NYFC and some of those star players kind of come through for them this year.
1: Yeah, NYFC with me was going to be a big one. Not that it's necessarily a shocker. Like you said, they got a lot of star players. Um, I think Uh another year underneath their belts playing together against, let's face it, Lesser talent than what they're used to throughout the course of their playing careers. I think that they're going to have a big year. The other team that I'm looking for out west is FC Dallas. They're very, very young, but they're very, very stout. Um, They won the west last year. Um, they yep. just didn't have the playoff experience to get through. I think another year under their belt, I see them winning the West again and possibly even making a run to the MLS Cup final. Now, right. with that, I am very high on the Revolution as well, and that's going to kind of be my segue in here, and this isn't just me being a home Revolution fan. Um, they're, they're looking good, and ESPN actually said earlier this week, that they might have the best roster in MLS top to bottom. They lost Jermaine Jones. They don't necessarily have the biggest home brand name, so the casual fan. Um, but talent-wise, they're looking very, very good. But before we really delve into the Revs, let's get Ben on the line here. Is Ben on the line? Yeah, so like we teased earlier, uh, we got Ben Kitchen on the line, a.k.a. Young Ben, WEI <laughs> producer and uh, host of W-E-I's Soccer Cast which you can find on WEI.com. Ben, you there? I'm here, buddy. Hey, how's it going?
0: Good, man, good. I heard you guys talking about a little NYCFC just a second ago, and I, I can't say enough good things about them currently. That is the team I love to watch. Those are the players I love to see in the MLS. Maybe a little bit older, but that team is in for great things this year.
1: Yep, definitely. I think we're going to we're gonna try to make a whole bunch of games this year, don't get me wrong, but we've... NYCFC. Um, that's definitely one that we've got highlighted on the calendar that we've got to go see just because Absolutely. of the name brand, the talent on that roster is second to none in MLS, the MLS like I said, the name brand. Um, but with the Revolution, like I said, I, if you heard that, then I think you heard me say that ESPN this week said that the Revolution, or at least in certain pundits' opinions, have the best roster top to bottom. Do you agree with that?
0: Uh, I agree with maybe a portion of the roster. I don't believe the defense is nearly as good as I think ESPN FC is is saying it might be, uh, and we saw that against um, we saw that last week against the Dynamo. They let in three goals, and that was bad defense. And Bobby Shuttleworth, he needs a lot of work. I, I think they at, at some point are going to need a little bit better, a more a top flight goaltender to really make things work for them. But if Diego Fagundes can maintain, I obviously can't maintain what he did last week, which was the goal and two assists. But if he can play up to a certain level of that, then, yeah, they do have a very talented roster, especially from the midfield forward.
1: Yep. We were talking about a pre-show just a little bit. Um, Pelley started naming off some of the offensive weapons they've got, and they are stacked. What-
2: yeah, just uh, speaking to a couple of different players that they have in that roster, you take a look at guys who have former U.S. men's team uh, caps between Charlie Davies, uh, Teal Bunbury, um, Juan Aguadelo, Lee Wynn. I mean, it seems like the attack is really going to be their strength this year, which is a little bit different than what we've expected from uh, from New England in the past. Usually you think of a more defensive-minded team with Jones and, and the uh, very veteran defense that they've had in the past. What can we expect from that attack outside of uh, Fagundes just scoring wonder goals like he did last <laughs> weekend?
0: Well, Charlie Davis is a good is a good center forward, and he, he has maintained that throughout most of his career. Obviously, he had that horrible car accident that derailed his career, what was a once-promising career. But right. last year, we started to see him really break through and become what we thought he was going to become 10, 12 years ago. Uh, Teal Bunbury, he, he's good on the right. He can do some things. He made some mistakes last weekend, but he's a talented player. Juan Agudello is a player that he's still very young, and he's shown absolute flashes of brilliance. If he can start to live up even a little bit to the hype, they're very deadly up front. And then again with Fagundes, if he's, if he's going to pick up his game and kind of mask Lee Wynn's deficiencies a little bit, Lee Wynn has fallen off since that amazing 2014 season, yeah. But if Diego Fagundes can pick that up It's going to cover everything and, and that's a very deadly team up front That's a team that's going to score a lot of goals But it comes down to that defense for them And it comes down to Jay Heaps being smart about where he plays players Kellen Rowe is not a You know, a central defensive midfielder And and he can't play there Scotty Caldwell, on the other hand, can play there And you saw a difference in that team When Caldwell came in
1: Oh, perfect You're You're... Speaking to us, and Peli and I, we're nodding our heads here. Um, Real quick, I've got to follow up for you first, and Peli will go. But uh, Diego Fagundes, yes, he's 21 years old. He's came up through the system, five years in the league now. Um, And the big thing with us is this year we're talking about we've got Copa de America going on, the Olympics are going to go on, the Euros are going on. Um, Fagundes' Uruguayan team did not make the Olympic uh, they did not get through Olympic qualifiers. So he's, it looks like he's going to be there all year for them. And I think that if last year wasn't his coming out party, this year is going to be his coming out party. Because I think he is, if not the best, he's got to be one of the top two or three young talents in MLS right now.
0: I absolutely agree with you. Especially the first half of last year was a struggle for him, and he couldn't even get playing time. I don't know exactly why. I, I mean, he wasn't tracking back well. He wasn't doing certain things. But I don't know why in practice he wasn't getting more looks this half of the year, he was fantastic. He was tracking back. He was doing all the right things that a midfielder needs to do. And now it looks like he's going to finally really break through. I think a major mistake for Fagundes was to actually join up with the Uruguayan national team and not stick with the U.S. men's national team. I know why he wanted to do it. But I think that was a, a massive mistake for him because he's going to... Uruguay's a little bit better than the Americans soccer-wise, as we all know. And they've proven time and time again... If Fagundes had stayed with the U.S. men's national team or, or gone that route instead of Uruguay, I think it would serve him even better. But if he breaks through this year, the Rebs are a team that's going to go very deep into the playoffs, if not back
1: to the MLS Cup. Yep, I agree. Did you have one Pelly you or no? Know? Yeah, I had, a,
2: I had a few players that I'm not totally uh, familiar with that have been added to the team this uh, past season. Obviously, their top 10 draft pick, McCray, uh his first name is eluding me right now, I believe it was
0: J- Jordan McCrary.
2: Yes, McC- yes, McCrary. Um, what can you tell us about him? A little small to be a central defender at only about 5'9". Seems like he could be a good option out on the right for them to push Farrell central and, and maybe give him another option in that defense. What are you thinking about uh, him in his first year here?
0: I think he absolutely fits in as a, a, a right back, a you know, fullback bombing up and down. He's got a lot of pace. He, he's a very skilled player. He's, I, I 100% agree with you. He is not a, a center back. At all. And you know what? Andrew Farrell isn't really a center back either. I'd like to see Andrew Farrell somewhere else. But right. his athleticism can mask some things. I'm talking about Farrell. Uh, you know, he can jump. He can run incredibly fast. He might be the fastest player on the team, which mm-hmm. is weird to see a center, a center back be the fastest player on the team. But, you know, McCrary can slot in at that right back and, and do very well for them. And I think in a couple of weeks, once he gets a little more under his feet and knowing the system a little bit better, He's going to see – you're going to see him as a guy that gets slotted in more and more, and I think he's going to fit very well into that defensive unit for the reps.
1: All right. Um, well, with that, um, I know – like I said, I'm not going back to Fakundes now. I'm going to try to switch up just a little bit. Um, if he's not going to be the breakout player of the year, who is? Um, any, any picks that you got? Any sleepers on the roster that are going to come out and play above expectations?
0: Well, I think uh, one of their most important players is going to be Scotty Caldwell. Yeah. And that's going to be a guy who's going to need to slot in and, and alongside Gershon is going to need to you know, really solidify a position in the back half of the midfield. That's a guy who really can do some damage for this team and be a very solid presence for them that will allow them to do other things. I would like to see Scotty Caldwell embrace a little more of what Jermaine Jones did in the past couple of years, which was be a little freer with the long ball and open up opportunities by kind of spraying the ball all over the place. Yeah. He's going to be very important, and, and I'd like to see Juan Agudelo finally really truly break through yeah. and be that deadly goal scorer that we know he has the ability to be. But Caldwell is the guy you've got to watch. I've been convinced of that by my co host Russ and Alex. <laughs>
1: Um, you're the best guest we've had. You were just segueing me question to question to question perfectly. <laughs> um, we've got another I have a
2: little bit of experience. This. Yes,
1: <laughs> you mentioned Jermaine Jones again. He's obviously out. They traded him to Colorado for um, cash considerations and a future draft pick. Um, they did bring in Sabina. They had the two draft picks this year. Um, I don't believe Sabina coming here until his Portuguese season is over. Is that correct? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Um, Is it does Jermaine losing Jermaine Jones hurt him more than the piece that they're bringing in? Is Sabina? Do you see him being a important part of this defense moving forward, or the two rookies that they uh, drafted in this current super draft? um, Do you see them making any moves this year? No.
0: Well, I think McCrary will. I don't know about the other kid. He his name is I've lost his name right now. But McCrary, I think, will be an important piece. You know, I think you'll see him about fifty percent of the time getting in there. Sambina, on the other hand, is a big stud of a center back. He's a huge physical presence, which is what they need. Yeah. And and but I don't know. I honestly don't know what he's gonna bring to this team. And but I think he will help solidify that, you know, defensive line. Jermaine Jones leaving does open opportunities for other people, but it, it also can hurt this team. The Jermaine Jones when he was on, he was fantastic and he was just what this team needed. But too often last year, you saw his 34-year-old body break down and miss a lot of games. And with that suspension looming over his head, he's going to miss six games anyway. <laughs> so there's there, uh, Sabina I'm excited about. I think he will have a very good impact. But Jordan McCrary, if he, if he does what I think he will and can do, he might have the biggest impact of the newest additions on the team. All
2: right, perfect. How about the DP real quick? Uh, Xavier Koyasi, I believe is his last name, uh, over in FC Scion. He's not coming over until July. But, uh,
0: well, he he tore his ACL as well.
2: He did, okay. I knew he had an injury. I didn't know how serious it was, but okay. So, you, so he's you probably not, not going <laughs> to.
0: You might not see him until August, and honestly, I didn't think that was a great signing. I thought the way the Revs handled it was, Awful. I, sorry, I'm just trying desperately not to just go on a complete mm. tangent. I'm to storm up about the revs and the way they handled it. I didn't think it was a great signing to begin with. I didn't know a lot about the guy, and then I did a little bit of research. Not the guy for them. You know, Jermaine Jones was a big, physical, intimidating presence. This guy's a small, small midfielder. He's talented, but I didn't think he was going to bring anything to the team anyway. On top of that, he wasn't going to come until July, and now he's got a torn ACL. So you're probably not going to see him until at least August. And even then, he's going to have to get his fitness back up. So it's pretty much a lost year for Colossi. All
1: right. That's a bummer. Um, it is an absolute bummer, but it was a stupid signing to begin with. <laughs> I See, you get just as angry as I do on Pelly's show off the wagon. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Um... Well, the problem, part of the problem was, you
0: know, uh, you do not tweet out and, and you know Mike Burns and Brian Bellella, you do not tweet out that you have a DP coming and that oh it's going to be a, it's going to be a fantastic signing for us but we can't tell you yet and then your payoff is Xavier Kowasi from FC Sion a kid that plays in Switzerland that was dumb <laughs> and it really betrayed a lot of people a lot of the fans trust in the front office with the reds
2: yeah, I I saw a little bit of him and heard a little bit about him because I'm a, a Liverpool fan and uh FC Sion was in their Europa League group. Um yep. I they they surprised in in, in group play fortunately enough for them, which I don't know if I want to want to give too much credit to Koyasti, <laughs> but uh you know, he was part of that team. I personally feel decent about him. I think the, the ACL tear it does worry me quite a bit. I knew there was an injury, I totally forgot what it was, but uh yeah, I mean, the shield for that back is, is really the big position that uh, of need for them. And like you said, Caldwell seems like he's going to be the front-runner, hopefully, uh, in the near future, with Roe being able to be pushed a little bit wider and uh, allowed to go forward a little bit freer. Um, we did want to talk, uh, before we let you go, about uh, Jay Heaps. And I'm a huge Jay Heaps fan, and I think pretty much anyone who's a Revolution fan is a big fan of his. Where do you rank him right now within the MLS uh, first, and secondly... Is this a guy that maybe when he uh, develops a little bit more as a manager, could this be maybe a guy eight or so years from now we're looking at, maybe a U.S. national team coach?
0: I wouldn't necessarily go that far <laughs> based on what I've seen yet. Now, okay. could we get there? Absolutely. But I think now you have to think public relations-wise too. If I'm the U.S. men's national team, I need a bigger, sexier name to get my fans excited. Now, when they brought in uh, – Jürgen Klinsmann, that was a big name coming off of coaching you right. know Bayern Munich and Germany. That was right. a huge name. Has it worked out as well as we'd like? No, absolutely not. But, you know, he's done a good job, a good enough job for them so far, even though everyone wants his head now, right, myself included. Heaps is a I'm a little biased for Heaps. I think he's a top 10 MLS coach right now as we speak. Agreed. I think he has that much ability, and, and he just needs to work on little things. He needs to be a little more flexible with his, with his formations and a little more flexible with his lineups, and then he could potentially move up into a top-five MLS coach. You have another playoff run this year. He's without a doubt a top-five MLS coach, in my opinion. I think he's that good. Now, you look at some of these other teams, whether it be you know, Patrick Vieira with NYCFC, he could be the best coach. We don't know yet. Obviously, arena out in l a is actually the best coach yeah. uh, and, and has been for a long time, but heat does it with less talent than those other teams
1: uh, yes, exactly and the comparison that we've kind of drawn, uh, like you said, he doesn't like changing his formations up, doesn't like going with new guys. that's a little bit of Claude Julian, if you will, for your for your <laughs> hockey fans. On the other that, hand, too.
0: That's a good comparison. That's a very good comparison.
1: And then the other thing, too, like you said, he does it with so little. He's got a little bit of that Brad Stevenson that the Celtics have now without the big name talent. But on the other hand, too, nice solid roster top to bottom. They, they're a dangerous team every weekend.
0: I, the, I, and I like the Brad comparison, although I'll say Brad does more with even less than. <laughs> <heaps>. <laughs> you know, Brad's got less to work with. Heaps has some really exciting young talent that can be you know, top ten players in the MLS, Brad doesn't have that. Brad's got a a good squad, but it's his ability to coach that team up, which puts him ahead of where he is. I like the Claude Julien comparison in terms of, you know, he doesn't like to really change what he's doing. He's very comfortable in his formation and all that stuff. It's a good comparison, but then again, don't forget, Claude's one of the best coaches in the NHL.
1: True. (laughs) True. As much as I hate him every other Wednesday, but um, I can't disagree with you. (laughs) Um, All right, one quick question for you before you go. Um, Where do you think the Revs finish up overall on the table? Do you think they make a big push? Do you think they win the MLS Cup? And if they don't win the MLS Cup, who's your guess early in the year? We're big prediction guys here. Um, So after week one, who's taking home the title?
0: Oh man! Uh, before <laughs> before week one, we did these predictions on our show, and I said the Galaxy are going to get back and win the title. Actually, uh, I-, I had the Galaxy and NYCFC in the MLS Cup. I can't. Re- I'm pretty sure I picked the Galaxy to win it again. Yeah, but I do have the Revs making a decent run in the playoffs. I don't think they'll be one and done. I they might make the Eastern Conference Finals. It's a good team. It's a very good team. You know, but the Eastern Conference just got a lot better. Yep. NYCFC has another year under, or has a year under their belt. Their main player, David Villa, had a good year last year. Andre Pirlo and Lampard did not have very good years last year, but now they're acclimated to how the league plays.
1: Yeah,
0: Orlando City with Kaká, who's still a very good player. Yep, and, and they have a good team that actually did some things last year. Now, if Montreal with Didier Drogba, if if they're right about and Didier's being kind of obtuse about this and not wanting to play on turf at all, then I think that screws up Montreal. Yes, daytime.
1: yes, I agree. I heard that the other day too, and he's getting more and more like a drama queen as we go on. Not to change the topic on you, but.
0: No, no, don't worry about it. I love talking drug books. <laughs> but uh, Toronto, you know, that's a team that should always scare you, even though they haven't been good with all the talent they have. They should still scare you and still worry you. And then Columbus is still good. Yep. But I think NYCFC, with all that talent and that ability, I liked Patrick Mullins when he was with the Revs yep. with NYCFC. So I think that's a team that's actually going to make the finals. I think, and I heard you guys mention FC Dallas. That's a very exciting young team that's kind of similar to the Revs. So I, I, I think they're going to be right back in the hunt, and I think the Sounders are going to be right back in the hunt. I think that Portland will drop off. At the end of the day, it's going to be Galaxy and NYCFC.
1: Perfect. That's what I like to hear. I love the predictions. Some people come on and they say, oh, I don't do predictions. No, we do predictions every week. We... Predictions are the most fun thing to do. Exactly. That's what, <laughs> that's what we say. Um, but thank you very much. This, that was Ben Kitchen from WWE, WWE, <laughs> not WWE. Hey, man, if I worked for the WWE, i <laughs> would be w- a very different situation. WEEI, he's a producer and studio on there, and he does WEEI's soccer cast. So thank you very much, Ben, for uh, coming on. We gotta do it again. Get you in the studio one day and talk some X's and O's with you.
0: Thank you, guys. Any time. Just give me a buzz. I'll join you guys anytime you want.
1: Perfect. Sure, thank you. All right. Yeah. One more time. That was Ben Kitchen um, from W E E I, not W W E
2: or W W F.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, any wrestling affiliation. But yep, he, he's got a big time soccer podcast for the E I radio station here in Boston. Um, he runs out with two of his buddies, I believe, correct, Carl? Yeah, I had I haven't met um I haven't met his co hosts, but um I've listened to a bunch of their um bunch of their podcasts and they're great. Yeah. Local guy too, actually. He's from Framingham. Oh ben. no. Oh yeah. so he's like I can throw a rock to his house from here live in Del Boca Vista Studios. Yeah, exactly. Oh he knows might- exactly where Del Boca Vista Studio oh, is. Oh, we might have to we might really have to lay into him on getting around the Round table of doom out Good here. Get run off the wagon, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, but, yeah, I think that's going to end our ML. Anything else on the uh, Revs, MLS as a whole here, Pelly? One thing I want to talk to you about real quick, and we talk about it all the time in and out. Um, anything MLS off the field this year you're looking for, looking forward to, looking not forward to, I don't think we're going to see them necessarily get rid of the ownership structure that they've got. Um, yeah. They just raised some of the salaries. It sounds like they're going to try to raise the salary capital more, give some players more money. Um, I only got into that recently because I was looking up Diego Fagundes. He's 21 years old. He only makes $55,000 a year. Um, is he necessarily European starter quality? Um, maybe not. But on the other hand, too, he could. I'm surprised that they don't. And I'm sure there's more that works into it as much. I don't follow MLS transfers as much as we do European transfers. Um, but I'm very shocked at how little he makes in comparison to... The, there were only 10% the, of the players this year were free agents. Yeah, there, um,
2: the MLS was, is a lot like... Uh, I don't know what a good way to put it is. It's a lot like all of the other four majors were back you know, 30, 40 years 40, ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Once you're assigned by your team... You get this homegrown uh, tag to you or whatever it may be. Unfortunately, it's very tough to break that. And to move around within the league is difficult because these aren't independent entities. It's the MLS. That's it. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest things for the MLS going forward is break that mold. Allow yourself to have independent entities within your league. Once they can do that, then you're going to see the ability for these teams to go out and buy and spend and build themselves up and it was funny that Ben said that uh, Koyasi from uh, FC Sion now they've had a great run of it I mean this was a team that was in the Europa League against uh, Liverpool they actually I I don't think they won the group I think they came in second behind Liverpool because Liverpool won their last uh, match but um, you know a team that did very very well but you say the Swiss League the MLS is better than the Swiss league by most standards. Right. Now, FC Basel, which has been a great team in that league, yeah, they're going to beat 98% of the teams in the MLS right. very consistently. But outside of that, the MLS top to bottom is much better than what you get in the Swiss it's league. It's a lot more competitive top point, to bottom, too. Exactly. Because,
1: because it keep by having the salary caps and having that structure, you can't have owner A, come in, right. by the revolution, and pump $300 it's, million dollars into the team, right. and now you just smoke everybody out of the water. Exactly.
2: So it's not necessarily revenue-based for these teams to be successful, which at some point you have to look at yourself and say, okay, we got to either try to go towards that European mold to allow these teams to prosper and start to break, up in, in, as you've said before, accordion in terms of yep. the yep. Uh, the table, or B, they're going to go with the American-style Structure, governance structure, where you have the different divisions, and you know the teams are salary caps, and that's the the, that's the issue that they're running into because none of the other major North American sports have leagues outside of the U.S. that they're really worried about. Right, they compete with everyone is tuning into the MLB. NFL around the world. That's around the, the best world. of yeah, the exactly. best
1: of basketball players. And there's no, players. S-
2: there's no second league. Unlike right. you, go, you go to England and Spain. You could make a very easy, uh, Germany, even. Germany, right? Italy. You, you, there's you, you five leagues make a right lot, there. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, uh, a conversation about those different leagues. Who's the best. And that's why champions league has such a high billing for itself is because you look at this and say, okay, who's the best, who's the best league. Who's consistently doing well there. Right. And I think that's, that's the big thing for me with the MLS this year well not this year but within the next decade i want to see that mold being broken allow these owners to go out there and spend mega bucks and build these things up cuz i think the mls is a, uh, garnering a lot of attention of potential uh, sports team owners that are willing to spend the big right. dollar and that's going to be a really uh, right. interesting and exciting thing for the league my
1: whole thing is i just want to see um i want to see and this is more of a long term thing too they got to stop expanding. Yes. And the reason I think they got to stop expanding is because they're going to do exactly what the NHL did to themselves. You expand thirty teams. Well, now you don't have the talent. And if you don't have die, you don't have the talent. You have one good player on every team instead of three good players on every team. Um, so now all of a sudden you go get thirty teams in Major League Soccer. Well, I didn't grow up playing soccer. I'm not that necessarily invested in it per se. I'll be investing in the revolution, but when North Dakota, the North Dakota FC comes out with a team, I'm not really going to care who those players are, who that team is. Now, I lose interest when all of a sudden... I'm, they've done a great job recently with bringing in these European players. That's why we want to go see NYCFC FC, to see those great worldwide players, three of them on one team. Right, build
2: a brand where if first. you
1: Right, where if you spread it out to 30 teams, now you only have one... I know that... The rules work out for me. Anybody who's going to argue me on this, I'm not an idiot, but I know they only have so many designated players per the league and per team, um, but the more teams you have, that designated player shrinks and shrinks and shrinks, and then now you don't get Frank Lampard as your name. Now you're getting this guy from FC Scion, and it's like, well, who the hell is this dude? Yeah, um, And that's where I'd like to see them start this year. No, let's cut it cut it at 22, or if we're going to go this way, you open it up, let them open up another 18 teams, and you give me two divisions with a, with two separate tables, and you ha- give me relegation and promotion. Um, that's way down the road, but I agree with you, Pelly. Awesome. All righty. We haven't been on in a while talking soccer, soccer, outside of that League Cup. Um, what do you call it? League Cup special that we did. Oh, I'm. I don't know how to shut off my MOS app. This is good. <laughs> this is why I don't try new things on air. It never works out. <laughs> all righty. Um, so we haven't talked soccer at all. Well, we've only done one show now in the past two, three two, weeks. Yeah. Um, FA Cup's been going on. Champions League's been going on. Like I said, I already told you today. Um, Benfica and PSG went through yesterday. Um, it was Real Madrid and... Somebody else that went through. Oh, Wolfsburg beat Gent. Um, two more games tomorrow, and then there's going to be. I believe it's pronounced oh, Gent. Excuse me, not tomorrow. Today's Wednesday. Now I'm all messed up. I had a long weekend, folks. Um, next week, there's four more games. So after next week on the 18th, I believe it is, that's when the draw is for the next round. Um, so we're probably going to stay away from Champions League until that next draw. Uh, Europa League, they're in their round of 16. First leg start tomorrow. Um, we'll probably wait. One more week after that, too, because um, they're, they're going to do their second leg next week. So maybe depending on which day we're on the air next week, we'll do Europa Week, either next week or the week after. Um, FA Cup has been going on. We're down to our final eight in that. Uh, after Arsenal, they were the only ones with the replay. They took care of Hull City 4-0. So we got the quarterfinals there. Um, we have the league, which is the table starting to blow up. So, Pelly, I'm going to let you freeform here. I want you to pick a topic that we're going to talk about. No, do go either FA Cup, um, go the league table, and then if we want to discuss, if we want to do a freeform discussion of more of the um, league cup game that we went and saw, or if you want to talk any particular games, you tell me. Uh, I think the league table is probably a pretty good place to start. We'll start with league table then, and we're gonna go. We don't have to go too too quick here. We started early tonight, but on the other hand, too, just because we started early doesn't mean that we're gonna finish early. So we're trying to stay a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, if I can get the ta- there's the table. Alrighty. So last time you listened to us, there's been a lot of shakeups since then. Um, I'm only gonna start reading seventeen to twenty now because it looks like there's a clear division on where the relegation battle is set. Um so this will be the last time Swansea's mentioned they've got thirty-three points in sixteenth. They're eight points clear of Sunderland, um, who is just ahead of the relegation zone with twenty-five points. And this is where it gets interesting. Norwich and Newcastle are in eighteenth and nineteenth, respectively, with twenty-four points. Uh, North is up two in the goal differential, and Aston Villa, not quite mathematically eliminated yet, but getting closer and closer as the days go by in the cellar and 20th um, at the top. And this, like this is where it's starting to get interesting, because there was a long time here where that four and five gap was open, and now the two teams that were trailing, Manchester United and West Ham, they're within one game of that Champions League spot. West Ham is in fifth. First time they've been said in a while on the show. Give yeah, a round around right. applause clock, Carl. Woo! <laughs> um, Man City. Woo! Te- oh, shit, I did it again. <laughs> Man City. That was for you, Pelly. <laughs> they were in a. They were in, in terrible form coming into this past weekend. They did get a result out of that, but they lost. They've lost three out of their last four. Arsenal's wheels are spinning. They've only got one point out of their last three matches. They're in third place with 52 points. Uh, In second place, Tottenham with 55 points. They've only got one point out of their last two matches. And Leicester's just sitting up there, not screwing it up. They're getting their wins. They're taking their draws when they need to. um, And they've got a very easy schedule coming up. Do you want to just talk about the table here, how this is Stretched out in the two weeks that we've been gone, you want to do that?
2: Oh, I, I think it's quite quite the opposite. It's actually compacting a little bit towards the top, and uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're starting to see it's oh, everything's within striking distance for everyone, and that's the interesting part. You know, if you take a look at it a week ago, you would have said, Okay, Leicester City looks like they're you know walking away with this thing. A few results in the top four don't go in, the, in those teams' direction, and this thing is in a, immediately anyone one through six. Now has an opportunity of possibly winning the championship i mean you're not you got nine weeks left obviously mathematically things start getting eliminated as you go forward leicester city they're holding on i think they're in very good shape going going down to the wire here but a couple of months ago something i said about and i think it was in a liverpool context but something i said about leicester city was they're in first place so the race isn't over and I don't say that as a disrespectful factor to Leicester City, yeah. but more so as a fact that they've never been there before. Therefore, it opens the door for anyone who's been in that race before. Arsenal is starting to play the way that I expected them to. No offense, again. No, they're always they're doing uh, exactly what I expected them to do to, down the stretch, which is not grind out the results. Manchester United is grinding out those results. Yep. That top four spot is now not a guarantee for them. City is starting to get a little bit healthier. However, they've got a ton of different competitions that they're worrying about. League Cup is finally out of their hair, but they're still in the yep. FA Cup. They're, to still the,
1: they're still in the FA Cup. They Champions are, League, they're, st- and they're going good. to be advancing. Yep. Knock on wood, sorry, Man City fans, but they should be advancing through into the quarterfinals of the Champions League.
2: Right, and they've got this league schedule, and I think that's going to be tough for them. So ultimately, when you look at this, you know this fight for the championship. You can't even take away the possibility of West Ham sneaking in there in, in some way. Yeah. So it's exciting. This is what this is what you love to see going down the stretch.
1: And just real quick, I've got just the upcoming games for the top of that table. We'll go to the top of the table a little bit here, and then we'll end it with the bottom of the table. Those last four. A little bit of relegation talk. That's always fun. All oh, you guys suck. So get the hell out of our league for better teams. <laughs> n- n- none of our teams are down there. None so. of our teams. Are, yeah, none of our teams are down there. But get the hell out so we can bring up somebody who's actually going to try. Um, but Leicester City, their next match is against Newcastle in 19th place. They've lost three in a row. After that, they've got Crystal Palace, who has been in terrible form. Yep. I can only see their last five matches up here, but I'm pretty sure they've gotten. Two points out of their past ten league matches.
2: Well, I watched them against. I watched most of the game against Liverpool the, uh, a week ago. That's a team that dominated for the most part. I thought it was a better team for sixty something minutes and still found a way to lose it. That's
1: not a good sign. Yeah. So Leicester City, I. I this is the whole thing. We keep saying it. When are they going to kind of follow? here? But they've got the. They've got. Not necessarily the two worst standings-wise, but you've got the second worst standings-wise and another team who can't get out of their own way. They should get six out of these, mm-hmm. which means that their lead's going to be at least five points still, which is going what it is now, seven. going to the last seven, and now Tottenham has to make up five points in seven games.
2: Here's the thing, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to drag you back into it, but two of the last three weeks, who do they got?
1: Man, U- Manchester United
2: and Chelsea. Chelsea two yep. teams that are playing as well as they possibly could, and I think that is going to be the championship right there. But
1: this pace, Pelly, they might be... If they're but seven they're points ex- up with three
2: point, with three games to go, all they, they need to do... Right. They win, no questions asked. But if they're not, it gets very interesting because I could see both of those matches going adversely against them, which could eliminate six points on whomever comes after them. And that is, for, for me, going into those two matches, and I believe they're the last two matches successively for them if they do not have a six-point lead going into those last two weeks, I'm going to bet against them.
1: You think so? Yep.
2: You think they're going to blow it? Yep. See, I no, no. I said if they didn't have a six-point lead going into those matches. Cool. Now, yeah. if they have a six or seven-point lead, it's
1: a 100% chance they're going right. to win. Right, <laughs> Um, I'm not willing to say that... I, I, I'm at the point now with them is I don't want to see them choking away. Right. If they're going to lose... And they're not. They're set. Don't don't have them lose it.
2: Have someone else win it.
1: Right. I want somebody else to to win it. And if they lose, because man, you and Chelsea want to go off and throw their weight around and say, if you will, who do you think you are being at the top of our table? Because they're kind of out of that Champions League picture now, and they want to prove a point. Right. I don't mind Leicester losing that way either, Mm -hmm. because hey, you you arguably shouldn't be up there. A. B. It's good to see the other clubs fight and say, no, this is our league. Yeah. Get out of here that's fine i don't want to see now them get two points out of these next two matches against the two worst teams right now in the by form yeah. by by form that that's not how i want to see them lose it well the, the and,
2: and to finish it for me the championship will be won and lost in these next seven matches for them that's yep.
1: that's it um tottenham their schedule's easy so they've yep. got astonville and bournemouth coming up arsenal isn't too too easy um, they got two mid-table teams in West Brom and Everton coming up. Uh, Man City and I just want to talk about Man City quick. I think they're. I don't think they care about that Champions League spot because I. Th- and we talked about this a little bit this weekend. Rumors of Peps coming in, um, yeah. all that good jazz. But they, I think they have a little. I've heard that there's a clause going into that that I'm not going to. The Pep isn't going to come in and coach them unless they have their Champions League spot. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised. I was thinking, after we had that conversation, like, I'm, thinking it, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it. I think that they're going to make the push and try to get their Champions League spot by winning the Champions League. Ooh, dangerous game there. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. That's a dangerous game. Um, I, but I think that they realize that they're a better tournament team right now than if you look at, and the Champions League is down this year too. I was looking at some of those. Wolfsburgs in the Wolfsburg's not a good team. They're a good team, yes. I know they made it that far, but in comparison, yeah. comparatively, they're not a good team. Benfica comparatively, comparatively, isn't a good team. There's two right there, and you've got four more teams going in. That out of them, you're going to get Barca and either Juventus or Bayern, and then other than that, the other two matches, I don't have them right up in front of me. But those aren't strong teams coming in either into that quarterfinal. Now, yeah, you're playing a game with the draw. But if you get drawn correctly here, you could easily make that Champions League final if you're Man City, but you can't have Yaya Torre out there running around in the league and getting himself injured and not being available for the Champions League. Mm-hmm. So this is where now I think I think that they, they haven't won that Champions League yet. They haven't gotten past a round of 16, like I said, knock on wood until this year. I think that that's their goal I think that they kind of are saying We can go after the league next year Let's go get the Champions League this year
2: Yeah, no, I tend to agree I think that's the one thing Manuel Manuel Peregrini Has not won since he's been at uh, Man City He's had some decent success there With other teams in the past I think he looks at that as his uh, his Unicorn, if you will If he goes out there and, and tackles that one He's done everything he could have possibly have done At City in the time that he's been there the big thing for me with, 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 with them, they're the one team that I think has the ability to go out there and win the FA Cup and still has an opportunity at the league. I think I honestly would put them ahead of Arsenal right now in terms of teams that I would expect to see finish um, you know, within the league. I don't think they're going to win the league, but I think they could easily be in that top two or three very easily. Champions League, I, it's one of those seasons that, you know what, outside of Barcelona, yeah, it's wide open. You yeah, could very and, easily end up in that final if yeah. you don't run across them. And,
1: and the whole th- and yes, I know Barcelona is that good. And still watching them, seeing some of these highlights, it's like a friggin' it's it's like watching the Harlem Globetrotters. It's, it's a video game. It's it's, it's it's a video game. But if you you have to take your odds, not only with your Pellegrini, but anybody who's left in that tournament now, you have to take your odds. Hope that you don't get Barcelona over two legs. Hope that you get avoid them in the draws, and you go up against them in the final, and you say, hey, we got 90 minutes here. Mm-hmm. And take your odds at the 90 minutes with Barcelona. If Barcelona gets a Real Madrid in the, in the next round, Real can beat them. If they get Bayern in the next round, Bayern can beat them. Right? Can Man City beat them? I don't think so. But can you have somebody do your dirty work for you? Because I think Man City is good enough that on a good day they can get everybody else in there except for Barcelona. You need those... Other couple upper echelon teams, just a tick better than you, to knock Barcelona out for you and take your take your chances. No, well, they make it to the final. They're going to be pretty happy with that, regardless. Yeah. But yeah, agreed. <laughs> um, out of fifth and sixth, West Ham and Manu, and I'm leaving Liverpool out, not to spite you or anything. I just don't think Liverpool gets there. There's six points out now, and they need to jump th- two two teams, three teams
0: mm-hmm. to
1: get into that spot. That's a, it's. If they only had to jump one team. You can make up that ground quickly, but with the amount of teams that they need to jump, I don't think that they're in that Champions League region this year. Europa League, I definitely within the question, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think they're going to be in that top four. But So between West Ham and Man United, which one out of those two do you think passes either Arsenal or Man City? Like, Maybe even both. I like
2: United to sneak in and fourth. I think they bump Arsenal at the end of the year. Um just like I said at the beginning of the year and, and I maintained it and I've maintained it all year long they've got a grinding style to them it's not fun to watch it's not fun for anyone at all uh, but they just grind and grind and grind and keep at it and find those they're going to be in dangerous or in five we
1: talked about that earlier class in 92-93 mm-hmm. the other day they played a game they played a match I think the oldest person in the pitch room was like 24, 25 years old. Yeah. They're very, very young with up and coming kids, 18, 19, coming in, making impacts in games. Yeah, that but they, they got
2: to w- too. I, I think there's a long, long. Well, that's long, what I'm saying, long, five, six years down the road. but this is, start that conversation. But it,
1: but it is a core. No, don't get me wrong. The core isn't these 18, 19 year old kids. But if you've got three or four of them here that are working their way through the league and they're in now. A battle for a champions league spot that's a very important lesson to learn right. at the age of 18 19 yeah and and i think I th- that's what's going to help them out going on in the future right
2: And on top of that i think they have some very good veterans around that club that are keeping them focused guys like daily Blind, uh guys in the midfield like michael Carrick, um off the top oh uh chris smalling who i think has been actually probably one of the unsung great players of the premiership se- uh, season thus far this year i like them not to take anything away from West Ham, but they're a team that plays their their uh, they play they play their what's it called uh, momentum in four to five game bursts. And for me, it would be so West Ham to run into those last five equal to or above some of those teams, and then just crap the bed for the last
1: two or three weeks. Think West Ham, and I'm looking at the schedule real quick right now. Both of them have tough matches next week. West Ham's got Chelsea. United's got City. Yep. After that, West Ham gets a break. They both kind of get the break. They've got, respectively, Crystal Palace and Everton. Then, respectively, Arsenal-Tottenham. The big difference here is West Ham's got Leicester and Manchester United's got Aston Villa one week. And that's gonna be the flip flop week. Who do. has
2: Everton that, that week that you were saying?
1: Man Manchester United. We just that's, played Everton. Yeah, that's yes. not that's
2: not an easy out in its own right either. Yeah. That's that they're but actually Everton I believe is in fifth or sixth in goal differential right now.
1: Um, they are actually. Everton is in twelfth place with so a plus twelve goal differential.
2: I would at say, fourth. Typically, what you see happen with teams that have great goal differential late in the season, it starts to even out and those points, find their way into their... Either, their, either, so either the goal differential
1: gonna, comes down or the points come back at the top of the table. Right,
2: they reaccumulate. Yeah, and, and
1: then, I mean, just
2: for my, my Liverpool, for my two seconds with them, I think a lot depends in terms of their ability to get to the top four on what they do with that match in hand because they are a match behind a lot yes, of those teams. Yes, they are. If they pick up that extra three points, which I believe is so far against Everton, they grab that three in that Derby. They're only, I think, two points off of the top four at that point, which, sure, maybe they have a team or two in between them at that point, but they pick up those three points. This race gets even, uh, puts another team into the conversation.
1: Yep. Real quick, we're almost at our hour limit here, but on the bottom, like I said, we're going to keep Swansea out of it. Uh, they really have to collapse, and the people behind them aren't good. That's why they're down there, so they're not going to get caught. Um, but out of the Sunderland-Norwich-Newcastle, who do you think is the one that's going to survive that? Uh, if you want, I'll start, because one. I think, and I don't want to see it, but I think Newcastle's the team to survive. Yeah, They've been playing better. I know they've got three straight losses coming back to back to back, but they actually had a special on NBC Sports Network the other day, tactically, on Newcastle, and naturally it's not good, and they're not trying to... They're trying to blow smoke up your ass about, oh, how this team can get out of the relegation battle. Um, But they've had some bad luck the past couple weeks, too. They've had some calls not go their way. I believe they went a man down early in a match where they shouldn't have. One of them, they had a bad PK call them that... Shouldn't have been a PK. Um, I, if they keep... Now they have to keep playing in that better form to get the results. But same thing. If you're going to keep playing well, I think the... Like you were saying earlier with the points average out, eventually the calls are going to start going their way and they're going to start winning a couple games here. I don't want to see them be the one to stay up. I nor which would be the one I'd like to see stay up. I think that's a good story. But... um Newcastle, one I think stays. They're, they're in the it's... they're in the best form out of all of them right now. That's <laughs> out the of problem. The garbage. That's down yeah. there. Um,
2: Norwich, I don't have much hope for. Uh, I think unfortunately they just don't have enough talent. They're just not deep enough to be able to make the run out. Um, so unfortunately I think they end up falling. Uh, Newcastle for me, I don't like the way they're built. And I say that in a sense that I don't think they're built for this type of relegation battle. If they're in the middle of the table, anything can happen. If they're a little bit ahead of this, maybe they break through and are able to get a little bit of run in terms of uh, good results in a row. However, when the pressure is on this group, this isn't really a group that's been through this type of battle before. Where they're coming, now coming from behind, behind to be able to get out of it. And Sunderland, out of those three, has dealt with this with the same group of players that they've got now. Yeah. So I think with the experience of having gotten out of that before and, Carl's going to hate me for saying this, Sam Allardyce has done this far too many times. Very, very good at being able to escape
1: the drop. I think Sunderland is the one. All righty. Um, that's our OTP show this week. Um, like I said, any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to call Pelly an idiot, uh, if you want to tell me I'm good looking, and if you really have anything to say to Carl... Um, let us know (laughs) at OTP soccer talk on Twitter. Like I said, I was live tweeting all the, not all the first champions league game today and the first half of the second one. Um, big news for the show this weekend. We mentioned it earlier. We're going to the, uh, seasonal opener for the revs on Saturday. That's a three o'clock game against DC United. If any of you are out there. Um, I think we're going to be walking around with a microphone, maybe try to interview a couple people. Yeah. That's Carl Singh. He knows how to push all the buttons and do all the fancy stuff. I'm just going to go <laughs> have a couple of beers and hope not to get arrested. Um, <laughs> that's asking a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so next week we'll talk about the game, how the Revs crowd was, how the team looks. Um, we'll get into a, more of the English... Soccer table, I so we haven't talked FA Cup in a while We really didn't get in depth about our own In particular teams today Um, so maybe we'll talk some of that Champions League, I say it every week Champions League, Europa League Uh Not, I should have known But I realized they, Copa de America is coming here To Gillette this summer That's something we're going to talk about, we're going to try to get into a game In there, I think Um, Olympics you, uh the UEFA championships. It's, it, soccer's getting crazy right now. I thought about this today. We're only two months away from the transfer window opening back up. So Euro 2016. And there's, all, and there's already talks and rumors about who's moving in, next, in this next window. And we know there's a whole lot of stuff to talk about. We love your input on Twitter about what you want to hear, what you want us to discuss. Uh, like I said, we even talk women's soccer sometimes, even though Pelly hates it. So we, tr- we try to sprinkle it in. Um, any type of football... Is the type of football that we like, and we want to throw out the football that you want to uh, listen to. We got to take a little break here. We're going to do Off the Wagon. Um, That'll be above you tomorrow on the podcast channel, right, Carl? Yes, sir. Above this show. Ooh, excuse me. Now I'm starting to drink the beers too quick, and I'm burping. Good time time to take a little break. Um, Carl Badger's a man on the uh, soundboard over there. Pelly's the one over here to my right, and... I'm J.P. Shenard, Enjoy your football. We'll talk to you next week.